What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning, everybody that's here. Thanks for being here. We're glad to see everybody that's out this morning. Can I tell you, I was looking over this message again last night and I think God is getting ready to do something this morning. So we're getting ready to wrap up this series that we started just a few weeks ago called More. And today I hope that you're going to even grab a better definition of what we mean by obtaining more from God. Let me go ahead and introduce myself to those of you tuning online. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. Next time, if you're able, we would love to see you come out and join us and be a part of what God is doing in Jackson, Missouri. But we are thankful you're online this morning tuning with us. Those of you here this morning, how are we doing? The week's been a little rough on some people, I think. So uh, but we're going we're gonna to get through this. This morning, we've got an exciting message. We're going to talk about that topic that I mentioned last week that is a, sometimes can be considered a dirty word in some churches. And I don't know why, because and we're going to look at scriptures this morning to back it up. But before I get into that and start talking about it, let's go ahead and read our key passages that have been our passages for the last three or four weeks here in Jackson. Here we go. We are in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 10. And it says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, what's the word? More will be given. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, on behalf of the message that you're about to bring forth, Lord. I just pray that right now you begin to use me, Lord, as a vessel, that you would speak your words through me, Lord, that they would not be my own, that it will touch those here in my presence and those listening online. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So the disciples, and we're going to go, we're going to go back into this here in just a second. But the disciples, let's just give them a quick review. They have come to Jesus. Because what has happened is Jesus has just given the parable of the sower, which we're going to read here in just a minute. And we're going to talk about it more here in just a minute in the last group of people. But they've come to the Jesus asking, why are you talking to them in parables? For those of you that don't know, maybe out there are listening, a parable is just a story. It's broken down in story form. So they're basically asking, why do you preach to them in story form? And Jesus said, what did he say to them? He says, because it has been given to you. To know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. He's talking about those people. If you're one of those people that have flat out rejected it from the beginning, then you're not going to get it. But Jesus is talking when he's talking here to the people who are going to listen. And the best way to help people understand. How many of y'all know people love a good story? They love something 
that grabs a hold of them and brings them in. That's why a lot of these superhero movies and different things that are going on nowadays, the stories are what pull the people in. There's hope given off in those stories. So Jesus tells a story. And like we've said before in other sermon series, Jesus tells stories that are relevant to whoever he's talking to. In this case, he's talking about seed. So he's more than likely talking to a group of farmers or people that are familiar with sowing seed. When Jesus sat next to the lady at the well, he talked about water. He is relevant to what they are going to see. Too many times, I think, as Christians, we get to that point to where we just start talking over people's head. And people aren't into that. They don't want to. They don't. What is the saying we went over here just a few weeks ago? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They're not really into this deep theological definitions of anything. What they want to know is, how can God help me right now in this situation? Maybe they're facing things. Okay, one example I use often because many people struggle with this is maybe their finances are in a wreck. And they don't know how to get them back. So they're struggling just to get by. They want to know, how can God help me in this? Well, I got good news. Later this year, we're going to talk about how you can have God help you with your money and your finances, but we're not doing that today. But just an example, he talked relevant stories. But did you notice verse 12, and we've hit on it, yeah, we've read it, we've talked about it the last few weeks, but I think today it's going to come home a little bit more. He said, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And when I did my Bible study online over this parable in Mark, we talked about Spiritually is the same as physically. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So if you are rich spiritually, you're only going to get richer. You're going to gain understanding that you didn't know you had. You're going to start learning new things. If you're seeking after it, the key is you've got to be seeking. It's just like anything in life. You've got to be seeking after whatever it is that God is calling you to do. What do I need to do? So reading on here, though, he says, but whoever does not have... Even what they have will be taken from him. That's not fair, right? This society is big on that. That's not fair. You can't do that. Did you know that's in the Bible? You're only going to gain more if you have something to build off of. That's why we encourage you. Your first step, if you don't know Jesus, is salvation. That's the base. That's the foundation of everything that follows. After that, we go to baptism, the growth track, disciples, and on and on and on. Your, your journey continues. But you've got to start seeking something. Now, here it is. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Those that are rejecting, we talked about the first week, so let me go ahead and mention it. We talked about wisdom our first week. We talked about how we've got to be seeking after godly wisdom. And the people that are flat out rejecting Jesus, we use the Pharisees as an example. We use atheists as an example. Once they get to that point that they're just going to reject, they're not going to hear what you have to say. So Jesus, sadly, those, there's apparently the majority of those there are those type of people. But the ones that are grabbing a hold of something, those are the ones that Jesus is going to use to change the world. Here we go. Moving on, nor do they understand. Let's go ahead and jump up and read the parable of the sower, though, real quick. And we'll talk about each of these groups as we go. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of his house, or out of the house, and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to them, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. We've hit on that the last few weeks. We're not going to go back to that. Let's go on in verse 3. It says, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. That's those first group of people that we just talked about. They're seeking after their own wisdom. They're, they're rejecting what God has for them. They don't care. At this point, using the Pharisees once again as an example, they don't care what Jesus has to say, whether it makes sense or not. Because at this point, they just want him dead. They started plotting. They started trying to figure out how they're going to make this happen. Moving on to the second group, verse 5, it says, And some fell on stony places where they did not have much root, or they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. That was our second group that we talked about the second week. We talked about our desires. Their desires were all out of whack. They were desiring an emotional high. They were desiring something that would fill them in the moment. But your true desire has to be that relationship with God or you're never going to go anywhere with anything. So what happened is these are the people that are always jumping, the church hoppers, the ones that are going church to church to church to church, trying to find that emotional high. Well, I heard something's going on over here, so let me go check this out. They want to look at They want some laying on of hands, falling out. And that all stuff is great, and it is real stuff. I've seen it. I've done it. I've been a part of it to say that. But if that is the only reason you're pursuing anything, then your desires are all out of whack. So you have to desire God. Verse 6, or verse 7, I'm sorry, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. This is the group we talked about last week. We talked about hope. Their hope was in the wrong things. Their hope was in how much money they had or how much physical things they could obtain. Their hope wasn't truly in God. It was in what they could get. What can I get out of this? What am I going to get? And because of that, their hope was all out of whack. Today, we're going to get into this last group of people. Now, look at your neighbor and say, if you're a Christian, this is you. Or it should be. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you're a Christian, this should be you. Those of you out there listening, if you're a Christian, this should be you. If it's not, that's what we're going to try to help you with today. Verse 8 says, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, you all ready? Today we're going to talk about, you said we're going to talk about a dirty word today. Trent, what are you talking about? First of all, let's go down here and read verse 23 and let's see what Jesus, Jesus, once again, Jesus translates himself. So I'm not going to go, we're just going to build off what Jesus says. If you jump down to verse 23, same chapter, chapter 13, Jesus interprets this to the disciples. He says, but he who receives seed on the ground, on the good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Once again, if you're a Christian, tell your neighbor, this should be you. Here we go. Are you ready? So I went ahead. Today we're going to talk about prosperity. And I already know by saying the word prosperity, I got people out there uptight. And thinking, oh my goodness, here he's one of those preachers. Yeah, I kind of teach prosperity. But prosperity in the aspect of what God has, not what man has as far as prosperity. Because you got to realize there's two different aspects. Prosperity is not a bad thing. Let me prove it to you. Actually, we'll prove it to you in a second. I looked up the definition of prosperity. Let's do this first. Prosperity, I googled it, and it said, prosperity is a successful, flourishing, or thriving condition. Especially in financial respects. That's where the world comes into play. And good fortune. 
Okay, we know the world seeks after money. If they've got no hope in anything else, that's what they're going for. They're going for the money. Let's talk about the first part, though. What did it say it was? It says it's a successful, a flourishing, or a thriving condition. Prosperity. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say about prosperity. All right, are we ready? Buckle up. Right? Buckle that belt. You put seatbelts in on your car. I'm just kidding. Y'all smiling. It's cool. All right, so John 10, 10, here's what it says. Are you ready? It says... The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what did he say here? He says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now there, he's talking about spiritually. He's talking about physically. And I shocked some of you for a second. We're not going to talk about money today. I already promised you that. But do you know that Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined in your scriptures? Because it's important for prospering, but we're not doing that today. I just wanted you to know that before you go off on this whole money's a bad deal. What did we say last week? Money's not the issue, right? The love of money is the issue. So we asked ourselves, do you have money or does your money have you? If your money has you, then there's a problem. If you have money, there's nothing wrong with that. Use your money to further God's kingdom. Here we go. Check out 3 John 1 2. Y'all know this one if you've been... Hearing if you've been in any bookstores, they use this one a lot. But check it out. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Everybody say that word. Prosper. Prosper. Okay, a couple of you. In all things and be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Now, I've had people tell me, oh, he's talking spiritually. But you know what? I think he's talking both. You know why I think that? If you read that verse again, the second half says, just as your soul prospers, right? So there's the spiritual aspect. But what did he say before that? He said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and to be in health, just as your soul prospers. So let's break it down. Let's go on into what we're going into. We're going to stay in Matthew 13, for those of you reading in the Bible. And we're going to jump down to verse 31. I want to read another parable to you, but check this out. Another parable he put forth to them saying, and we're in verse 31 and 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Have you all ever seen a picture of a mustard seed? I Googled it one time. If it's on the tip of your finger, any bitty thing, one of the smallest of seeds. And when you plant it, though, but when it is grown, verse 32 continuing, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Point number one, if you're taking notes, if you got your note papers out there, is that faith leads to prosperity. Faith leads prosperity. Now when Jesus is talking about the mustard seed here, he's talking about study. You go a little deeper on it. He's talking about the fact that it flourishes or the process of the mustard seed. More than he's talking about the actual seed. He took it, you sow it in the field and suddenly it starts sprouting. So remember in other verses in the Bible we've heard about the faith of a mustard seed and all that. And what Jesus is saying there is if you can start with just a little bit of faith and you can plant that Remember, we reap what we sow. You plant that, it begins to flourish from there and grow and to expand. And talking, if you're talking in your faith, then your faith begins to grow. It begins to expand and you begin to see more and more and more things. Thus, you are prospering 
spiritually. So faith leads to prosperity. Today, okay, remember the last few weeks we talked about something natural and we've compared it to something physical. Here we go. The first week we talked about the human cells and we talked about the fact that man doesn't even know how many cells are in our human body. But their last guess was like 37.2 trillion, right? Second week, we talked about water and the cycle of water and how God uses the evaporated in the air above the ocean. And he pulls that up and when they get a bunch of them together, they cling to these little molecules in the air. And that grows and it begins to expand and begins to form a cloud, which eventually gets an overflow and begins pouring back down. And the cycle continues. We talked about the cycle of water. If you want to know the spiritual aspect, go back and check out that message. The third week, which was last week, we talked about a tree. And we talked about how a tree planted near the water. Why is that important? We talked about the roots and how the water goes from the ground and all the way up. And if gravity represents those things that are trying to hold you back, then it's going to continue to pull you. But when a tree gets, remember what we talked about? A tree gets to a certain point, it can't grow any higher because of the force of gravity when the water trying to pull up the tree. So all of a sudden, it reaches its maximum. That's when it starts growing outward. That's why we continually are trimming trees because they continue to grow out and make that stuff happen. This week, we're going to talk about a tree, but we're going to talk about a specific tree. Are you ready? We're going to talk about a mustard tree. Here we go. The unique healing properties. This is an article I got offline once again. It says the unique healing properties of mustard seeds can partly be attributed to their home among. Now, I'm going to botch up some words, but bear with me. Brassica foods. I think that's right. Found in the cruciferous plant family. All right, but check that. Let's get on. Let's get on past the words I'm botching up, right? Mustard seeds. Check this out. Emerged from our food ranking system as an excellent source of, once again, a big word, selenium, I think is what it is, which is a nutrient that has been shown to help reduce the severity of asthma, decrease some of the symptoms of arthritis, there's a certain type of arthritis, but I can't pronounce it, and to help prevent cancer. Hmm. Anybody know about a mustard seed having all those capabilities? Now check it out, reading on here. It says, they also qualified, they also qualified as a good source of magnesium. Like selenium, magnesium has been shown to help reduce the severity of asthma, to lower high blood pressure, and to restore normal sleep patterns in women, women having difficulty with the symptoms of menopause. To reduce the frequency of migraine attacks. And to prevent heart attack in patients suffering from it's some sort of diabetic heart disease. I can't pronounce it once again. But do you all know that a mustard seed had that type of capabilities? That little bitty seed when it's ground up. So, okay, let's read on. It says mustard bushes, they reach an average height of about... Mature height of between 6 and 20 feet. Because there's like over 40 different types of mustard bushes, okay? Although exceptional plants can reach 30 feet tall under ideal conditions. What are you going with, Trent? Well, first of all, let's just talk about the mustard seed. That's all. I want you to get that. There's more to a mustard seed than meets the eye. It can do more than you think. So, you think Jesus did not know some of this stuff when he was teaching? No, he probably did. He's God, right? He knows all things. So Jesus uses a mustard seed in his example here. So let, we'll continue reading about more about that in just a second. Let's jump to Matthew 25 so we can get to our next point. Verses 14 to 30. Now this is going to be a longer read. Are you guys ready? Buckle up. Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country 
who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one, to each according to his own ability. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. And immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16. Then he would, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So... He who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. Verse 21 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, he says, He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Into the joy of your Lord. Now, all right. We're going to pause for a second. Can anybody imagine what the third one's thinking right now? Okay, just think like a human for a second. You guys, he gave you so many talents. He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. Well, the other two went and they made like profits on it. They doubled what they had. The other, the last one though, who we're getting ready to talk about, went and buried his talent. Now, I don't know if they were all standing in line or not, but if they were, can you imagine he's feeling probably just a little ashamed at this point, right? Everybody before him has doubled what they've gained and all he had done is was able to return the one thing that he had got, right? Because he had buried it, and he hadn't done anything with it, right? All right, moving on. We're going to move on. I just wanted to hit that real quick. So now he's getting ready to approach. Verse 24 says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look. There you have your, what is yours? But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to with at least, now I'm adding at least, but some translations actually say that, at least deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Interest nowadays ain't a lot, but, you know, maybe it was more back then. Here we go. Verse 28 says, therefore, take the talent from him. Now, check this out. Talk about not fair. Here we go. We'll come back to it. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Ooh, that's not fair, is it? Okay, moving on. We'll talk about that more in a minute. For to everyone who has recognized this verse, it was in our key passage. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. I just lost my spell. There it is. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus said it the second time in a whole different parable. Now check it out. Here we go. Verse 30 says, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Let me give you the next point. We're going to talk about it. Are you ready? Prosperity comes when you're willing to take a risk. What do you mean by that? Well, the guy that got five, what did he do? He went out. He was taking a chance, right? He had given the five. He was taking it. Now, if you, anybody that's in, uh, familiar with stocks, you know what I'm talking about. You may buy something one minute. You don't know whether it's going to go up or down. You're just kind of going on what you got, right? But he was willing to take the risk and deal with, it says just them, give them the five and he doubled it and made it ten, right? Same thing happened to the one that got two. He was taking a risk, but he managed to double it. Because how many of y'all know you got to put something down if you're going to go anywhere with it, right? That's just typical business. If you're trying to launch a business, it takes money up front to make that business come to pass. And you may look kind of grim when you're first starting out, but how many of y'all know? First of all, let's just say if God is in on what you're trying to do, it's going to flourish. You just got to have some faith. We talked about that a minute ago. Faith leads to prosperity. So first it takes that faith to be willing. These two servants had the faith to think they could do better. And they went and Now what happened to the third guy though? He didn't take a risk, right? He went and buried it because he was scared. Scurred. For all you southern folks out there listening to you, maybe some Tennessee listeners, I don't know. Scurred. He was scared. He was scared, okay? And he didn't, he didn't want to get rid of it because he thought he might lose everything, right? So he went and buried it. But did you notice what else happened here? Check it out. Jesus is the one telling the story. Keep that in mind. Verse 19 says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. First of all, let me, tell you, let me show you something else before we go there. He said, verse 15 says, And to one he gave five talents, another two, and to another one. Did you read that last part, though? It says, To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So this Lord that Jesus is using here, obviously we're talking, he's given a parable describing God as Lord or Jesus as Lord and him giving out these talents. But let's just talk about the story for a second. This Lord over these servants knew the capability of the servants, right? He gave five to the guy he knew that would probably be able to double it, right? How many of y'all know he probably had a hint? This guy's going to be able to do something with it, right? The second guy, he said, yeah, he could probably do, but probably not as much. Some people can't handle as much. But they can double what you give them if you just give them a little bit, right? So he's like, okay, this guy, I don't think that he can, you know, handle as much. So I'm going to give him two and just see what he does with it. And he ended up doubling it as well. Did you notice the third servant, he gave one. How many of y'all know when he gave one talent to the third servant, he probably had a good idea that I'm not sure what this guy's going to do for me. So I'm just going to give him one and see what he does with it, right? Just start thinking for a second. So then moving on, now I'm going to get back to where we were. After a long time, the Lord came to the servants. He said, the ones who received five talents came and he said, okay, I got five more, right? I doubled it. The one who received two talents, he doubled his. But then he got to the last one, right? Here's what we said. It's not fair. All right, so on our world, in our society, in our culture, you'd have thought in this culture, right, that the one who lost his talent because he didn't do anything with it, well, give it to the guy that has four, right? So that he can have another one, right? Why in the world would he give that one talent to the guy that's already got ten? Each according to his own ability. He knew. Now, maybe, I'm not talking, and the Bible doesn't say clearly, maybe the one that received four 
Yeah, he doubled it, but maybe he knew, yeah, he can handle four, but I don't want to overdo it on him, because some people can't handle as much. So, but the one he gave five and made ten, I'm, I'm sure that he had faith that this guy, he's going to be able to do something with it. So give him another one, because he can handle it. That's just like these big corporations, right? The big bosses up top, the top guy, they're the ones that they trust with all the abilities within, right? So I wanted to just point that out because in this society, that's not fair. Why would you give it to him? But because he knew their abilities, he was willing to make... Okay, let's go ahead and finish talking about the mustard bush here for a second. Or let's continue talking. It says, mustard bushes came from an arid, come from arid climates and had evolved to deal with poor soil, scarce moisture, and extreme heat. They are sensitive to cold and will only grow outdoors in the U.S. Department of Agriculture plant hardness zones, 10A through 11. I don't know what those zones are. I'm sure it's something that they're familiar with. And they grow best when planted in, check it out, full sun and a clay-based soil. I'm getting excited, y'all. Y'all ready? This is so similar to us, but check this out. But we'll tolerate a range of soil types and light afternoon shade with minimal damage. Here it says though, it says avoid planting mustard bushes near septic systems. Actually, I'll read that in a second. Let's talk about what we got so far. All right, so a mustard bush prospers the best, right? In direct sunlight and in clay-like soil. What is clay-like soil? That's solid soil, right? It's hard soil. Clay-like soil, is, I think I've been told, is the best for making ponds because it's going to hold the water the best, right? So what if we say a Christian prospers best in sunlight, S-O-N. Okay, see, now y'all are coming. You're catching. I see some smiles. You got me. You know where I'm going. In sunlight, but check it out. Not just that. Remember when Jesus talked about a guy puts his house on the sand, it's going to go away when the storm comes, and it's going to go out. But the one who builds his house on solid rock or a solid foundation will stand in the coming storm. So a mustard seed grows best in solid soils. Let's go ahead and read this last part, and we're going to get to our last point and get ready to wrap this up. It says, despite their innate ruggedness, mustard bushes may develop several issues that will interfere with their growth and development. Okay. Among the most common issues is overwatering. Soggy soil contributes to fungal or bacterial growth among the roots, which can lead to slow growth, decline, check this out, premature death. Whoa. All right, so some of you thought I was going with the overwatering, but here's what overwatering does. It makes the soil soggy, right? In that soggy soil, now if you're a Christian that's got your feet in some soggy soil, it's said that there's greater chances of fungal and bacterial development. So if we're talking spiritually, if you're on soggy soil, then there's a good chance that you're going to be like one of the previous people we talked about where that stuff of that world just starts tearing you up from the inside. Here's the thing though, it affects the roots first. We may not see the change right away. It's what's going on under the ground, where the roots are at, that is causing that tree to die slowly. We'll notice when the whole tree dies, right? But until that point, it's all happening out of our sight. So you may be able to hide some stuff from us, but God's always got an eye. You need to stay out of that soggy soil because stuff's going to come. 
And it's going to cause you to, what did it say? It says bacterial growth among the roots. The roots. If you're rooted in a firm foundation, you're good. But if you're rooted in soggy foundation or sandy soil, fungal and bacterial growth among the roots lead to slow growth. I mean, y'all know there's Christians that, you know, they're in a little bit, but they're not all the way in. So they're not studying, they're not praying, they're not building on their relationship with God. So it's slowing down their growth and their potential. Can I just say, as a pastor myself, and I know my previous pastor said this, that the thing that drives us pastors most nuts is wasted potential. We see people, we see a gift. We can't make them accept their gift. They've got to do that themselves. But it's all dependent on what they're doing at home. See, church is just where we come to gather, learn more, and get ready to go back out there and do it again. What you're doing at home makes the difference. If you're not in firm foundation at home, you've got that slow growth. Now, you may grow and get there eventually, or you may do one of these other things where it says decline. You may just start dying slowly. Those are those people that get so involved with other worldly things that they just disappear. From the radar. They may have been coming to church. You thought they were strong. And then all of a sudden stuff happens. And they're gone. So they're declining. Or premature death. Now if we're talking spiritual death. It's a whole different ballgame right. Let me wrap this up with the final point. Are you ready? This point wraps up the entire series. Are you ready? You remember the points I talked about earlier. Check it out. Wisdom. Godly desire. And hope in Jesus lead to prosperity. Let me go ahead and read that last part that I said we'd read in just a second. We're getting ready to wrap it up. I got one more verse and we'll be done. It says, avoid planting mustard bushes near septic systems and cisterns because their penetrating water-seeking roots will seek out the moisture found in the underground systems and cause damage. I got excited on this one, guys. If you're in that last group of people that we talked about and you're bearing a fruit and you're on good ground and you're, you're prospering, guess what? You go ahead and put that Christian that's prospering in a mess. I dare you. Because what's going to happen is their roots are going to go deeper. They're going to go deeper because they're seeking after that living water that we talked about last week. Our roots seeking for the living water so that we can flourish. But it says avoid, and it didn't say avoid it because it's going to damage the tree. Did you notice what it said? It said avoid laying on their septic systems and cisterns because their penetrating water seeking roots will seek out the moisture found in underground systems and cause, I like the last part, damage. Go ahead and try to block off that Christian with a wall. Guarantee you, if they're on a solid foundation, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, their roots are going to keep going. They're going to break down some barriers. I don't know, I get somebody excited. I got no amens in the house or nothing. I hope you're excited out there. Their roots, our roots, if you're on solid foundation and you're one of those good people that's on good soil, that's bearing fruit, little things like that aren't going to bother you. You're going to break right through those barriers and you're going to keep moving and seeking after what? That moisture or that living water that can help you continue to grow and mature as a Christian. Let's read Proverbs 11. We're going to wrap it up. 24 to 26, it says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. Hmm. Verse 25. 
The generous soul will be made rich. Looked up the word rich. You know what it means? Rich. And he who waters will be watered himself. Verse 26 says, the people will curse him who withholds grain. But blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. What are you doing with your talent? That's my question. Look at your neighbor right now and say, prosperity is not always about money. Prosperity is not always about money. I know there's people that'll tell you it is, but it's not. When we talk prosperity as Christians, yeah, money's part of it. We've already looked at the verses. I believe God wants you to prosper in your money as well. But here's what I believe. I believe that if you're prospering spiritually, what do we say through 3 John 1, 2? It said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Just lost my spot. And be in health. Just as your soul prospers. So if your argument is that he's talking spiritually, no, he's talking both because his last part said, just as your soul prospers. So the spiritual side is covered in the end, but what he's saying is, I want you to prosper in all things and be in health. That's God. I don't know why we like to turn God into somebody who looks down on us and trying to cause all these bad things to happen because God wants you to prosper. Remember Jesus taught, and if you want to talk money, we could do that because Jesus, once again, talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined in your scripture. So it's important, but that's only a portion of prospering. Prospering begins with your faith and your root. Where is your root taking you? So I'm going to read the last point again and we're going to dismiss. It says, wisdom, godly desire, and hope in Jesus lead to prosperity. Remember, that covers the last few weeks what we talked about. Let's stand. Linda, you can come play something soft. Then we're getting ready to dismiss this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're out there, maybe God's telling you to do something. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've been out of church for a while. Maybe you're one of those that's kind of in some soggy soil right now. I want to encourage you. Find a church home, whether it's this one or another one. Because you need to prosper. And the only way you're going to prosper is with encouragement. We come together on Sundays as believers to encourage one another to be ready for the next week. What happens in the week depends on what you're doing at home. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a real simple prayer. It says, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, congratulations, welcome to the family. Your next step is baptism. You need to be baptized. And then you need to get involved with the fellowship, other believers that can help you grow as a Christian, mature as a Christian. You need to find a good church home that can do that for you. That's it for now. Next week, we're going to begin a brand new series called Our Values. And we're going to be talking about the values we have here as a church, but also how your values in everyday life affect where you end up. So thanks for tuning online. If you're tuning online, God bless. We'll see you next week.